if you follow me on social media, you know this one thing that I did in the week that I was off, and that is to take son number three on a college tour. We did five schools in four states in two days, and and I photographed each step of the way on Instagram. I never revealed where I was, but everybody was able to figure it out. You know, many, many guests for the most part, correctly. Oh, I also want to say thank you to those of you who shared with me the lore about the legendary Boston College Gold Eagle. I mean, that is too damn funny. I'd never heard it before I got to Boston College. Yes, that is Boston College. That was not Notre Dame. But did you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. The lore of the Boston College golden eagle and when the eagle shall take flight (laughs) which i did not share with my son i was about to say is that reason to attend the school or not to attend the school oh it's reason to attend the school (laughs) believe me um but i want to discuss this as my first issue upon return frankly because the only news that was made in my absence was made by omarosa and i am just not into her out here you want a one sentence takeaway on omarosa I think that the whole episode, or episodes because it's ongoing, speak to the quality of the people that the president has surrounded himself with. And hiring her speaks to the desperation that he has to find somebody, anybody, of color to work in the White House. Okay, there. Look, I've already blown the rules. That was two or three sentences, wasn't it? Do you know what was at the New York Times Number one ranking this weekend. It was a Frank Bruni column about what? About college. And how a college stint has how a college career is best approached. Follow me on this. He noted that many don't have a choice as to how they approach college. You know, many people who are going to college today are juggling many responsibilities. They're juggling night school. Maybe they're going on weekends and so forth. And then he quoted Eric Johnson, who he identified as a friend from his alma mater, which is UNC at Chapel Hill. Frank Bruni did. He quoted this friend, Eric Johnson, as saying, the more you regard college as a credentialing exercise, the less likely you are to get the benefits. The more you regard college as a credentialing exercise, the less likely you are to get the benefits. And Bruni wrote, Johnson is as thoughtful and insightful about higher education as just about anybody I've come across. The wisest students, he said, move into a peer relationship with the institution rather than a consumer relationship with it. They seize on leadership roles. They serve as research assistants. And they build social capital, realizing that above all else, you're in college to widen the circle of human beings you know and care about. I agree with that. I have often told our own that the relationships that they are building, whether it was in K through 12 or thereafter, are what really matters. And that's the reason to reach for schools, in my opinion. You know, more Fortune 500 CEOs come from state colleges 
than come from Ivy Leagues or so-called better institutions of learning. But I think the reason why you do want to push your kids to attain what's ever you know, highest within their grasp is because of those that they will surround themselves with and then have a network on which to rely for life. I'm a big, big believer in that. Bruni also wrote this. Yes, I am going somewhere with all of this. Just hang with me. Bruni also wrote this in his column in the New York Times this weekend, which is posted at Smirconish.com and which I've just tweeted. He said, but perhaps the most important relationships to invest in are those with members of the school's faculty. Most students don't fully get that. They're not very good at identifying the professors worth knowing. Well, that happened to me, not by design, but by serendipity. I had a faculty mentor when I was at Lehigh University, David Curtis Amadon Jr., who changed my life. I also say amen to this observation. You've heard this from me before. Frank Bruni said, regardless of major, there are skills to insist on acquiring because they transcend any particular career. You know what they are? Communication, clear writing, cogent speaking is one of them, and many different courses can hone it. If you're a longtime listener of mine, you know that I have said that those courses that most and not just because I sit behind a microphone for a living. But those courses that were invaluable to me, a ba- I remember the, the number of it, Journalism 11, which was a basic news writing course and also speaking, which I had with Miss Wild at CB West and which I had as an undergraduate at Lehigh as well. Tell your kids, take a public speaking course while they are in college. Try and get rid of the ums and the ahs and the likes. And then Bruni wrote this, which most relates, which most relates to the college tour that I just made with son number three. Several Mitchell scholars also fretted that they'd lost out on some of what college had to offer by sticking to predetermined scripts, sweating perfection, and keywords, avoiding risks. That dovetailed with a concern that many professors articulate to me that students aren't learning to stumble and to write themselves, which they can do in college with lower stakes than later on. Avoiding risks, true in college and in life. You know, something interests you, but you don't think you can afford to pursue it, which is more true in life, meaning post-college, than when you're in college. When you are in college, you don't risk it, but you can stretch and take risks. And in particular, at one place, one of the five schools that we toured in four states in New England. Do you know, TC, which school I'm about to reference in particular? If the sub, You know where I was only because you followed me on Instagram and you knew all those schools. It seems like when people knew one of them, they knew everywhere else I was going. You know, they were surprised. How come you didn't go to Williams? What How about come- Bowdoin? Bowdoin. Bowdoin. <laughs> that was a big that one. That was the other one. That what was a big Bowdoin? one. If you're going to all these schools, right. why didn't you go to Bowdoin? Oh, yeah. People were mapping it out for you. People had you on MapQuest. Okay, but if if the point of my my return monologue is to talk about how too many college students are risk-adverse and that there's a school out there that I think beautifully addresses this. Do you have any idea of the five, which which I want to highlight? I have a top two. 
but which on the subject of avoid this school has figured out, I think, how to address what Frank Bruni wrote. Uh, Let me read it to you again. Several Mitchell scholars also fretted they'd lost out on some of what college had to offer by sticking to predetermined scripts, sweating perfection and avoiding risk. Where don't they do that? Brown. Brown. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. Um, Two things stand out about the Brown experience. First, in Providence, they have open enrollment. They offer more than uh, 80 areas of concentration to the oldies among us. That would be your major. But listen, there are no core requirements outside of your area of concentration. And some of the areas of concentration, I took note of this, not all of them, some of the areas of concentration required as few as eight courses, Meaning that theoretically you could go to Brown and year one, two, and three, freshman, sophomore, junior year, you could take courses having nothing to do with what you leave in terms of your major as long as in your senior year you came back and took four and four that applied, which is wild, right? In the brochure, they say it forces you to be creative thinkers, intellectual risk takers, and entrepreneurial problem solvers. Come here and take virtually anything you want. Learn something. And then there's something else about Brown, which is you can take virtually all of your courses without a conventional grade. Here, reading from the, uh, the Brown website. When registering for courses, Brown students must indicate whether they are taking a course for a grade or satisfactory no credit. Students may change their grade option for a course online during the first four weeks of the semester. No grade option changes are allowed after the first four weeks of any semester. A small number of courses are designated by their instructors as mandatory satisfaction, satisfactory no credit. And such courses cannot be taken for a grade. So essentially, you can come to Brown University, study whatever you want, and do it not for grades. And I hear some of you saying as you're driving in your cars across the country, right, oh, those liberal Ivy League schools. Guess what? I would have said that at one time as well. That was absolutely my perspective one time would be to scoff at Brown. I sent Frank Bruni a uh, an email yesterday and complimented him on his column and I said, "Frank, regarding your point about avoiding risks, I must say I admire Brown's open curriculum which encourages exploration without risk of killing a GPA." Years ago, this is me speaking, years ago I'd have scoffed at such a quote-unquote liberal notion But I think about my own undergrad days at Lehigh, largely spent protecting my rank so that I could get into a good law school, which I did. It worked. I got into Penn. I got into an Ivy League law school. But there were so many things, I said to him, that interested me that I bypassed. And to this day, I know nothing about. I I, I should make something crystal clear 
My son's not going to apply to Brown. Yeah, unless you think that this is this is Michael returning from vacation and currying favor with the one school that he would like his son to attend. Okay, that's kind no, of burying I don't the lead. It. What? Well, no, I, my point is not to. to I'm, I'm not trying to, to trumpet Brown University. So he so did that not like it as somebody, much as you did. So, so that somebody <laughs> in my in the admissions will catch. No, I, I I'd be shocked if he applied. It did. It did not seem to catch uh, his eye. I would be thrilled if he would, but he probably won't. And, it, and, and his rationale will have nothing to do with open curriculum. I just was eager to share my observations with the POTUS audience because it, it made an impact on me. I think they have it right. You have proven yourself by getting into Brown University. It's one of these schools that, like Harvard, that gets thirty or 40,000 applicants for you know, 2,000, 3,000 uh, slots that that should largely end the competition, and I think that the opportunity to explore should be applauded. And some are going to take advantage of it, and they're going to coast. Yeah, I know, but that downside I think will be outweighed by those who will take advantage of the opportunity to leave a more completely educated person by sampling the 2,000 courses they have a year. 2,000 courses every year offered at this school for an undergrad population of, I think, 9,000. So if I were a, uh, first of all, they, I couldn't get in. I could not get in. No, no, TC, I could not get in. I could never get in. But if I were today if I had a blank slate in front of me and I could pick any school in the country, I can't believe this. If you, if you like 20 years ago had the college talk with me, I would never have been of this opinion. But if today I had a blank slate in front of me and I could, I could write my ticket, this is where I'd end up. This is where I would end up taking full advantage of open enrollment. I would take whatever course interests me that I just want to grow intellectually, let the chips fall where they may. By the way, do you know that if you take a course and you tank it, you've got to make up that course. You've got to, you know, because you've got to leave with a certain number of credits, but that doesn't reflect on your GPA. You get a mulligan. You get countless mulligans. Okay. Can I play devil's advocate? Yeah. Okay, how, how is Michael Smirkanish going to get into law school? It's a problem. I mean, I was about to address that. That is, that is okay. the, the big impediment because, because now you're competing with individuals coming from schools who have, you know, a 4.2. By the way, when did we ever get to a system where you can exceed a 4.0? I, I have no idea. So yeah, that is definitely, definitely an impediment. You're going you're gonna to have, although their statistics show that they're students, they've got an answer for that. Right. And their answer is to say, look at the statistics of, I think they said like 95% uh, of our students get their choice relative to med school or, or grad school. That's what, what else is, is on the, uh, the, or is that it? Well, no, I mean, that was my main, it's, and it's not just law school. I brought that up because you went to law school and you just said that was, you know, sort of I was gunning True. for that as I went along. Um, but I'm just thinking now about applying for jobs and you need a way to to identify kids and to differentiate between candidates. If I were an employer, I think it's a fair question. If I were an employer and I had two students in front of me and one of them had no, you know, GPA, but they came from Brown, and one of them had a, an extraordinary GPA from an equally competitive school, 
uh, I might be challenged in terms of how I would assess the two of them. I'd probably, though, be looking at the Brown student like this other mythical person, and I'd say, I know what it took for them to get into Brown. I mean, at what point does the competition finally get to end and you can just grow intellectually? And then you've got an interesting kid on your hands. You've got an interesting candidate who brings more to the table than a GPA. Okay, so I would want to look at the course selection. Here's what I would do. Great point. I would want to look at the course selection that that Brown student made to see did they did they fulfill what was given to them this extraordinary opportunity to just go pursue whatever passion is guiding right. you you know we always say like follow your passion life doesn't allow that in many circumstances but you're getting a blank slate for 4 years to go do whatever you want to do right and and did you maximize it did you challenge yourself those would be the sort of questions that I as an employer would be would be asking 